Welcome to the Rhythms Podcast, I'm Brian Wise. My guest this week is Sarah Jarose, singer-songwriter from Wimberley, Texas, who began her music career in her early teens playing at local festivals. She released four solo albums before teaming up with Sarah Watkins of Nickel Creek and Aoife O'Donovan to form the trio I'm With Her and release the album See You Around. They toured Australia last year. Now Sarah has just released her fifth album, World on the Ground, and it marks a change of direction, recorded in New York City by renowned producer John Leventhal. I caught up with Sarah, who was in Nashville, just a week after her 29th birthday to talk about her new album. First, let's hear a little bit of the song Orange and Blue. cypress tree I stumbled in its tangled roots Surrounded by the trees forgotten leaves My knees were bloodied, hands were bruised While I was down upon the muddy ground I dug my hands into Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi. Good, thanks. I'm I'm in Nashville, Tennessee at the moment. I um, I came down here uh, kind of when all the everything started getting locked down because I, I, my apartment's in New York. Um, that's where I live. And my boyfriend has a house here in Nashville. So when things started getting crazy, I thankfully, uh, very fortunately, had another place to go to get out of the city. So I've been I've been here in Nashville ever ever since the beginning of March. How are you getting along there? It must be must be difficult for an artist who sort of is used to doing gigs and also releasing an album that you would normally be touring behind. Yeah, it's been, um, I would say there's been a lot of waves of emotion um, over the last couple months. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I really can't complain because as I said, I, uh, I'm just so, so grateful to not be in the city right now and, and be able to be here and have access to being outside and sunshine. And, you know, that has made it a much more doable um, last couple months. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been, um, as, as many musicians, uh, all my musician friends are feeling right now, um, tough to kind of wrap, wrap our heads around the, this sort of, it's turning into more and more of a long-term reality of not being able to play our music live, which is really, I mean, for, for, for me, that, that's how I make my living. So trying to be creative and trying to figure out ways to, to get this music to people. At the end of the day, I'm so glad that I was finished with this record um, and that I'm able to still release it on time. So uh, I'm thankful for that. What are you going to do when you release it? Are you doing any online gigs, any performances like that? Because you won't be touring for a little while. Right. Um, I've been doing a ton of um, sort of people from all over the place are sort of asking for videos for different outlets and things like that. So I've been kind of making a, mu- a lot of music videos almost at home, um, co- kind of a combination between covers and, and a bunch of the new songs from the new record. I think that I'll, it's inevitable that I'll do some, some live concerts along the way. Um, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm really trying to navigate how much I want to do because 
I do have the sense that the live streaming is just not quite the same as as the real thing. And um, I, I think some people are really uh, naturally leaning, they, they have this natural lean towards um, doing live streams and going on Instagram live and, and doing a lot, making a lot of that content. I would say that I'm not one of those people. So with that being said, I obviously care about my fans so much and want to get this music out to people. So I want to, you know, be um, be particular about when and, and how I do them. And like I said, inevitably, I will do a couple concerts here and there, but just trying to figure out when when those will be. Happy birthday, by the way, for the other day. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. Did you do anything special on your birthday? <laughs> um, nothing. I guess really, you can't. <laughs> uh, just, really, uh, just besides, I, I talked to a lot of friends on the phone, and um, one of my really close friends compiled uh, an incredible video of, of um, a bunch of my friends wishing me a happy birthday, which which was really unexpected and so special and moving, especially since I can't be with my friends right now. Um, I my one I told my boyfriend like the one thing I want to do on my birthday is have queso and margaritas, which is sort of a, a I mean I it's like a nostalgic thing being from Texas. Just the queso and margarita combination is hard to beat. So um, over the course of the quarantine, I've actually been learning how to make queso on my own. So that's. <laughs> That's been a fun, a fun new skill. So I had queso and margaritas and um, all, in, all in all, it was a good birthday. When was the last time you were back in Wimberley? Oh, let's see. Um, I don't think, I think it, it's been a while. I think it was last Thanksgiving. So um, November um, of 2019. Yeah, it's really, I, I don't like to, to go that long. Um, I, I had planned actually, a, a lot of my plans obviously got disrupted um, by all of this lockdown, I, I was planning at the end of April to actually travel down to Wimberley and, and make a music video there um, for one of the songs on the record, because obviously these songs are so inspired by the landscape and the imagery of my town. And so I was really excited to get to do that. Obviously, that didn't happen. I'm trying to figure out a way to make it work with some people that I know down there who can potentially capture footage. So trying to work around it. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really, really uh that's probably almost been the hardest part of this whole thing is just being so far away from my parents and my family who are all in Texas um, and I haven't been able to see them this whole time. So missing them a lot right now. Well, as a frequent visitor to Texas over the last 20 years, it seems as though you've been around for all of that time. In fact, you have, uh, you've reached the ripe old age of 29, I think, which means that <laughs> I must have first see, seen you when you were playing when you were probably about uh, 12 or 13. So it's like you're, you're a you're a veteran already. <laughs> that's that's awesome that you that you're a frequent Texas visitor. I love that. I recall seeing you a couple of years ago at I think it was the old Settlers Festival. You are you are like the uh, homecoming mm-hmm. hero there now. You you're held in such high regard. Oh, that's that's sweet to hear. I mean that that festival is really kind of where where it all began for me in so many ways. Um, not only in the sense that it's where I really kind of um, got my bearings as, as a performer um, and played some of my first shows of my own music, but also I met, it was the first festival that I attended where I got to meet so many of my musical heroes. Um, uh, f- for instance, um, Nickel Creek, <laughs> I met them at the Old Settlers Festival. Actually, 
back when it was still in Dripping Springs and not in Driftwood. Um, and now it's moved again. But uh, yeah, that's that's been a special a special place for me over the course of my life so far. Now, one of my favorite ever gigs was when I saw you at the City Winery a couple of years ago with John Prine. I was going to say he was supporting you, but he, he opened the show and then you came on with I'm in I'm with her and did a brilliant performance. But that was a really special gig and particularly in retrospect looking back at the fact that unfortunately John's no longer with us. Oh my gosh, yes. Um that's also been one of the most I think challenging parts of of this whole pandemic is losing John Prine. Um, that that uh yeah that night was really special and I I feel very fortunate that that wasn't I, I shared many nights musical nights with John Prine on the road. He was one of one of the first people to really believe in me and my music. I mean I I got to open for him a handful of times just solo all by myself. I I actually recounted on my Instagram when he passed the that I was actually too young to rent a car. And so he he offered, uh, his band and him offered that I could just hop in their car to drive. For, it was like a, a weekend of three gigs or something. And we drove together and he drove the car. Um, he didn't have a driver or a bus or anything. He drove he drove the car and we, we he loves Dairy Queen. And we stopped and had lunch at Dairy Queen. And yeah, and he let me sing with him, sing his songs with him. And it's just... He did that with so many musicians, um, really was just so generous with his time and his spirit. And um, I think that's just felt by so many people. So yeah, that that night at the City Winery, I do I do remember that being a very special, magical evening. It's hard to believe he's no longer with us because he wrote so many brilliant songs and he left such an indelible mark as a songwriter and as a person, more importantly, I suppose. Exactly. Yes. Um, that's, I think that's sort of the, the, the magical, the magic dust, if you will, like for, it's one thing when, when people's music touches you and then to sort of meet a hero and also realize that there's this other layer of them just being in a, a really incredible human sort of enriches the whole experience. Um, and he was a perfect example of that. Goodbye, brother. Hello. So long, Chicago. All these years thought I was where I ought to be. But times are changing. This country is growing. And I'm bound for San Francisco. Well, I've lived through more than I could tell. I've sold all that I could sell Finally leaving it behind Goodbye, farewell If it isn't one thing Then it's one thing more If it isn't a fever that shows you the door It's the air or the water or the goddamn war Goodbye, brother, hello, railroad So long, Chicago This is Sarah Jaros. Well, let's move on to your new album, World on the Ground. It's your fifth album. It is, yes. <laughs> there are many people who never do five albums in their lifetime. 
Yeah, I I can't quite <laughs> I can't quite believe it, honestly. Five is my favorite number, so this one feels um feels special just in that simple regard. But uh yeah, it's it's um I can't I can't believe it's the fifth one already. It's produced by John Leventhal and recorded in his home studio in Manhattan. So it's a little bit different than the other four. It's a different approach. How did that come about? How did you meet up with John and how did you decide to work with him? Yeah, well, uh, John and I had been acquaintances. We, we really really didn't know each other well at all, um, but we had run into each other at uh, events here and there, as you do, as, as musicians do. Um, and he had actually played on one of my records. He played on a song called Runaway. He played the electric guitar on that song, but it was a remote overdub, so I had never actually been in the studio with him. Um, but as I was getting ready to, as I was preparing to make this record, I, over the course of the a year leading up to it, I had sort of been compiling a list of dream producers because I had made all four of my previous albums with um, incredible producer engineer Gary Pachosa. And um, I mean, that was four albums over the course of 10 years, and it just felt like a really beautiful chapter. And, um, you know, after Undercurrent, my last record, we were kind of like, okay, it's, we were both on the same page of you know, it was, I, I was excited that it was time to, to try working with someone else because that was the end of that chapter, at least for now. And John Leventhal's name just kept resurfacing to the top of my list as ultimate, who would I just dream to work with? Um, and I just adore his, his production and his writing. I mean, mainly his work with Sean Colvin, I would say, is what inspired me to want to work with him and, and see if he would be interested. And um, so I just asked. It, I d- it definitely was, um, as I said, I didn't know him very well. So it was a bit of going out on a limb to ask him to do it. And we met up um, I think we had one one meeting in December of 2018 was when I asked him and I I actually I had no idea when I asked him but his his studio was I I live on the Upper West Side in Manhattan and he lives in Chelsea and he, it's his home studio so it was a very convenient seven stops on on the C train to get to his studio and uh it just our first meeting went really well and I think we both kind of could tell right away that we were as he's a word that he's used was very simpatico vibe in the studio and I think we were hearing the same things and feeling a similar uh, I was really excited to be open to writing with him which was another reason I I picked him to be a producer because I had read interviews that he really liked co-writing to be a part of his production process and so it really just happened in in this it kind of opened flourished in this really natural way um and I loved every minute of it I I really just was so inspired working with him in the studio it was really special well I know Sean Colvin's one of your favorites and it sounds like the similar sort of process that uh was at work on her first album with John yeah yeah I mean that's um you know I think he well, Steady On, I think, was kind of his first production role. Um, and as he has said, you know, he was just sort of figuring it out as he went along. But, you know, as, as with any craft or um, anything that you work on for a long time, you figure out what works and you figure out what doesn't and you kind of hone it. And he's certainly at a point in his life and career where it's almost like he's got it boiled down to a science in, in the best way. Um, because... I think that happens to some people where they're further on in their career and they kind of have it figured out, but the the spark or the joy or the inspiration kind of gets lost somewhere along the way, and that is definitely not the case with John. I mean, he uh, it, it's just, it almost felt like a, 
a runaway train in the best way possible of just constant energy and constant forward motion always in the studio and never never lingering too long over an idea that didn't work or a part that wasn't right and just yeah just like constant forward motion which is not always the case in the studio it's really in my experience it's very easy to get hung up on things and get filled with self-doubt along the way and his his way of working in these kind of six hour blocks during the day created this workspace where it was just constant forward motion and and your my ears were never able to even get fatigued because because of that process and that workspace in terms of the songwriting i believe he encouraged you to think of yourself as a storyteller of telling stories in the songs is that right is that where one of the important things you took away from it yeah that that was kind of one of the major things and and that was in a way that was the very first thing that we talked about even in our initial meeting where we weren't sure if if it was definitely going to happen or not um i had played you know i sat down and we sort of chatted for a bit and he said well play me something and i think i played a couple of ideas and they were sort of in line with how i've written in in the past on, on my past four records which is kind of leaning you know very introspective and a lot about my feelings um and in the in a in the kindest way possible he sort of said like what well, what if you kind of get out of yourself a little bit and don't don't always necessarily write looking inward but try looking outward and you know even taking on different characters and just trying to be more of a storyteller as you said and as simple as that sounds and it, it, I, I can imagine that some non-songwriters might think well of course that's what you do it's sometimes it's just as simple as someone saying something that kind of sparks your attention and makes you go oh of course like that's that's what I've been waiting for all along and um yeah it really kind of felt like a opening and a shift in my perspective and um, my approach to songwriting. I can see that in a song like Hometown, where I'm pretty sure the song's not actually about you, but it might be about someone that you know or that you've observed. Yeah, it also could be about me, but I like I like that um, that mystery. You know, I, I liked um, that was like an exercise almost of 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 uh, trying to create the mystery within the song. Um, exercise is a little bit boring of a word to use with with songwriting, or like a little bit un uninspiring word to use with songwriting, but sometimes it's appropriate. Yeah, that, as with many of these songs on, on this record, it really was kind of as simple as him saying, shift your perspective, and then it felt like lyrics are often the thing that take me the longest to write, and I, so many of these songs just poured out of me. I mean, just by the simple action of kind of getting out of my own brain and even looking at myself from a different perspective let alone creating other characters in addition to creating other characters and um sort of singing from other people's points of view also writing about myself was from a different point of view so yeah that's that's applicable with that song for sure on the verge of a breakdown back in her hometown Never thought she'd settle down In a place like this Cold coffee on the back porch Wooden chair rocking back and forth Now she wonders how it all went down Back in her hometown Most people never left Found a job and filled in the rest 
Never got around to leaving the nest Holding on and not let go But that path just wasn't for her She got out faster than the fireworks Never took time to slow it down Now she's back in her hometown Looking out at the cedars and the ask you about the cover painting by Erin Murray was I think is that a painting given to you by your parents I read it obviously means a lot to you and it's a beautiful painting thank you yes um yeah that was a gift from my parents I don't I don't own really any fine art other than that <laughs> I'm not like an art collector I maybe I will be at some point in my life but that was just a sort of uh, off the cuff purchase from my parents. Um, we were on a, a family vacation in the Northeast after I had, I think that my parents had flown up to Boston the summer after I had started college there. And being from Texas, we were all kind of curious to explore New England and and the surroundings of Boston. And so, well, my dad is actually from there. But anyways, long story short, we stopped in this art gallery in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and I just fell in love with that painting. And this was probably 10 years ago. And so they very kindly bought it for me and I've, I've had it, I've carried it with me from apartment to apartment ever since. And it's been in my New York apartment where I've been for seven years, it's been sitting on the mantle of my apartment. And uh, it's almost like with things around your house where if they've just been on the wall or around so long that you stop noticing them, that's sort of what happened with that painting. And then when I was thinking about what I was pretty stumped actually about what to make as the the art the the cover for this record and um a photo of myself just didn't feel right that's what I've always done in the past but it, it didn't feel right this time around because so many of the perspectives on this record are not necessarily always about me and I just sort of saw that painting in a new way and it it, it especially immediately reminded me of the song pay it no mind and um, I knew it was, I mean, it's actually, it's literally a, a square of a canvas. So I knew that it would like fit in the square of a CD cover. And thankfully, Erin, who I'd never met or been in touch with at all, I, I managed to contact her and she was so excited and, and signed off and gave permission and everything. So that, it all worked out and I'm just, it really feels like it matches the, the spirit of the music to me. Well, it relates to the song and the title of the album, of course, which comes from a line in the song, doesn't it? It does, yes. Pay It No Mind, the second song on the record, which is, I think that might have actually been, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember the exact order of which songs came first, but that might have been the first song that John and I wrote together. He had the music for that written, kind of the, the guitar part at the beginning, which is sort of teetering back and forth, and he played it for me, and again, it was just one of these rare things that is very rare in songwriting, where I went home that night after being in the studio, and that song just kind of came all at once. It was like, it's definitely a New York-inspired song in, in this sense of like being, walking under tall buildings and skyscrapers and imagining a bird on a high floor looking down at everything and the hustle bustle and having this clarity of 
not being amidst it, but able to sort of process it in a clear way. And once I thought about that, the song just was born. And yeah, so that's that's where the, the title comes from. And then it just sort of serendipitously, you know, f- felt like a, a connection with, with the, the bird and the song and then the birds on the record cover. Up by the window of the seventh floor There's a little bird stretching her wings She's looking down at the world far below her I can hear the little tune that she sings She says, we all have our notions, baby. We all laugh inside. And when the world on the ground is gonna swallow you down, sometimes you got to pay it the light. There is a time for shouting. There is a time to fight. If your heart's wide open, you might start to get the notion that nothing's going right. But if you're wise, you know that sometimes, baby, it don't help to yell and cry. And when the world makes you frown, don't let it swallow you down. Sometimes you've got to pay it no mind. Sometimes you've got to pay it no mind. You know the world keeps. on your screen they demand to be seen sometimes you got to pay them no mind pay them no mind hi this is sarah jerose hey who's playing on the album apart from you and john i presume you're both playing instruments there i imagine you're playing a number of instruments who else is playing on the album it's it's really mostly mostly John and myself play play the majority of of instruments there we had one of John's friends who I ha- had actually gotten to know over the last couple of years the great Sean Pelton who is a drummer and has he's been the drummer on Saturday Night Live for like 20 year, 25 years or something and um, he's played on a bunch of my favorite records um, so he played drums on two songs where John John played the rest of the drums but there was a couple of songs I'll be gone and what do I do where John felt that it needed the touch of a real drummer, as he said. Um, so we brought Sean in. And then uh, there's strings on a few songs. There's a string quartet. And then we had um, some backing vocals from three incredible singers, Catherine Russell, Curtis King, and Dennis Collins, who are all New York singers. And um, But that was on one song, I'll Be Gone. And so it really was very different from my previous records in that sense, where... I feel like I've leaned a lot on guest on guests, <laughs> guest musicians in the past. And um, I felt like we were open to it going into it. It wasn't like we said we don't want anyone else other than us on this record. It was more it was more of like a natural discovery along the way where, as I said, John works very quickly. So we would be recording and you know, he would say, why don't you double your vocal part there? Why don't you sing a harmony to yourself there? And I think maybe initially I would think, okay, well, eventually we'll replace this with someone else. But in the end, we just liked how it sounded so much that he sort of said, you know, well, I think if we got someone else to come in here, it would just be for the sake of having a guest and not necessarily that it would get any better than, because we really like how it sounds right now. So I appreciated that. 
that perspective of not wanting to have guests just for the sake of it and only pulling other people in when it was really necessary. So it felt very focused in that way. Well, it sounds fabulous. And I might say it's got more of a bit of a, a rock feel to it than your previous albums. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's part of why I chose John um, as a producer. You know, I, I evaluated like, what what is the music that I love listening to and that I want to, I kind of want to make music like. And so much of it was kind of, as you said, a little more kind of folk rock leaning. Um, I mean, things like Sean Colvin, obviously. James McMurtry is one of my all-time favorites, and I would say he was maybe the biggest influence on this record. But yeah, that it, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's definitely the first album of mine where drums have played um, a significant role throughout the record. And it's funny because I was so insanely anti-drums on Undercurrent. <laughs> um, I was like, no, there's no, this, there's going to be no drums on this record. But this record was the first where during the actual writing process, I was hearing drums in my mind of of thinking like, okay, this song is going to benefit from drums. And so that, that was cool for me because it felt like, okay, it's right. I'm not just doing this because it's cool to have drums. I feel like it's actually really serving the song. Um, and I felt that John did it in such a tasteful, he helped me sort of transition over into that world in a very tasteful way. Well, if you've got a really subtle drummer, it can really help. And part of the secret of a really good drummer sometimes is the fact that you don't notice that they're there. Do you know what I mean? They're not sort of thumping away like a lot of drummers tend to do. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's a really hard thing to find. You know, I think maybe the fact that John is a guitarist first and foremost helps with um, at least his drumming on this record being that I feel that it's that way. So, yeah. three songs with just names as titles eve johnny which is a really up-tempo great song and maggie which i think i've read was inspired by your 10-year high school reunion is that right yes yes you've done your research <laughs> i'm impressed thank you so much yes that that so maggie is is the only one of those three that is actually based on a real person not that the other two aren't but those are sort of made up, Johnny and Eve are sort of made up you know, fictional names, um, in my mind anyways. But Maggie was actually based off an actual encounter that I had last summer while I was making this record. I, I flew in the middle of it uh, last August to go to my 10-year high school reunion and um, ran into this old friend who I hadn't seen since we were kids because she actually went to a different high school. But Wimberley is such a small town that even people who didn't go to the high school came to the high school <laughs> reunion. So yeah, and long story short, we had a conversation um, at the bar at the reunion. And 
she had sort of been expressing to me how she wished she could travel and see the world sort of as I had have been doing and um it really it really moved me and inspired me and I I just had so much compassion for her and for not only just her but people there's so many people like her who don't always have the means to get out of their situation or their town or or whatever and I I wrote that song pretty much a few days after that that experience Look away while you still can close your eyes say goodbye to this strange land you never thought you had it good and high school was just football games and processed food you've been picking through the weeds too long surrounded by the echoes of a dream gone wrong and running through the fields that led to nothing but a song you're singing in your head drive across the desert in a blue ford escape hopefully this car will live up to its Sarah Jarose. I think that probably a song like Little Satchel is a more traditional song and probably I assume that's as you play you play banjo on that I presume that's more of in keeping with some of the things you've done before isn't it? Yeah that actually is a traditional song um I didn't I didn't that's the one song on the record that I didn't write um and it felt that song has been very special to me for a long time. It's it's one of the first songs that I ever learned, in fact. I, I learned it from this guy, Mike Bond, who was sort of the ringleader of the Friday Night Bluegrass Jam that I grew up going to. And um, he would sing that. I started going to that when I was 10. And I, I just, that song always stood out to me. And it was, it's a special song in the sense that I never actually learned it. It just was one of those songs that I would hear week after week after week and it just I learned it through repetition and hearing him sing it and um it's it's meant so much to me and it sort of felt like a special way at the end of this record where I did a lot of looking back to my town and the people in it um it felt like a special way to sort of honor that that time in my life and the people who were such a big part of it and um and also as a musical moment something for me and John to just as I said in the studio like I want something where everything is accounted for in the sense that like not not a bunch of overdubs really just us playing together in the room and that was that was like super just one take and done kind of we you know we poured some whiskey and and uh sat down and recorded that that song and um it's it feels like a special way for me to sort of end the record 
I'm not sure how many Grammys you and John and Americana Awards you and John have between you, but I, I suspect that there are a few more coming your way later in the year and, and next year as well. So congratulations on Aww. a terrific thank you. album. And uh, thank you for spending thank you so, so much, much. Time, time with me and uh, all the best. And I hope you can get out touring and hopefully see you back here in Australia soon because I hope you enjoyed your visit yes. here last year. Oh, my gosh. It was just the best. Had the best time ever. Great. Th- thanks, Sarah. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Sarah Rose and a song called Little Satchel from her latest album, World on the Ground. In fact, all the other music you heard during the interview was from the album, except Overland, which was from the I'm With Her album, See You Around. Thanks for joining me. I hope you enjoyed our chat. You can check out Rhythms online at rhythms.com.au, where you'll also find links to subscribe to the print and digital issues. 